Amen. I'll give you a scriptural background of where we're going to be tonight. Uh, in this passage of scripture that we are going to read, we pick up where Absalom, the son of David, is returning to the city of Jerusalem after he's been exiled. And if you're a Bible student, you're aware of the fact that he was exiled due to the fact that he murdered his brother uh, for the sin that was committed with their sister, Tamar, Amnon and Tamar. And then Absalom murders Amnon. He flees from the city of Jerusalem, and he gets permission to come back to Jerusalem. And what we're going to read this evening, I, I want to piggyback off of the song that they sang, Give Me a Servant's Heart. What a song. They look at that song and say, well, that's a children's song. Well, that's an everybody song, in my opinion, uh, because we all need a servant's heart. And what we find in this passage of Scripture is that while Absalom was away, something developed in his heart uh, to turn on his father, David. And he had the desire to take the kingdom, to steal the kingdom from King David, and so it is his initiative and it's his agenda when he comes back to Jerusalem to try to take the kingdom from his father, King David. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and the Bible says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that, that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he, and he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so, that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand, and he took him, and he kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after, the, after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode in Geshur and Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from the city, of, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. I want to deal with what we find in this passage of Scripture, what you would, what you would consider to be a type in your Bible. And in verse number 6, the Bible says, On this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. 
And the type that I would like to deal with this evening is in your Bible, all across your Bible, if you're a student of the Bible, you are aware that you'll find types of different things. You'll find types of God, types of Christ, types of the Trinity all throughout the different portions of the Scripture. And tonight particularly, I would like to deal with a type of Satan that you find in this passage of Scripture. And I believe that this topic that we'll deal with this evening is pertinent because uh, very simply put, the world has a heart problem. And in this passage of Scripture that we read in our text, in verse number 6, it shows us that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And with the help of God tonight, for just a few minutes, I would like to preach on this thought, stolen hearts. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll get into the message. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Lord, it's been said to me privately before the service, you love us and you bless us in spite of who we are. And Lord, there's never been a truer statement. And God, I'm thankful that you look past our faults and that you see our need. And Lord, you know us better than anybody else knows us, but you still love us, and we thank you so much for that tonight. And Lord, as we continue in this service, I pray that you would just help me not to get in the way I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God would manifest His presence in the midst of this place like He already has through the singing. And God, I pray that you would give us a supernatural ability to give you our undivided attention so that we can apply the Word of God to our lives and leave out of here better than the way that we came in. And Lord, as I try to preach, I know that I'm insufficient for the task that's at hand. And so, Father, I pray that you'd get me out of the way that you would say each and every single word through me that needs to be said, and Father, that you'd give me wisdom and discernment to obey you throughout the duration of this service. And Father, we love you and we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. If you'll listen quick, I'll preach quick. I'm cold and I want to get home. Somebody say amen. I want to talk about this thought tonight. I believe that it's pertinent not only to the congregation, but very simply it's pertinent to me. Um, I would preach this to myself if I was the only person here. Because I believe wholeheartedly that whenever you look at the issues that we see in government or whenever you look at the issues that you see in our school system or whenever you look at the issues that you see at the store or wherever the case may be at work or also, mind you, when you look in churches and you see those issues, I believe that they all revolve around one thing, and that is the heart. My principal, who was not necessarily a huge fan of me when I was in high school at Calvary Baptist Academy, would, would regularly bring me into his office. Somebody say amen right there if you ever went to the principal's office. And he would look at me and very seriously, like only he could, he would look at me and say, I know that you did this, but really what you did is not the problem. What you have is a heart problem, and he was very correct when he said that. Tonight, I believe that when you look at the condition and the state of our world, and more specifically the local New Testament church, we are dealing like never before with heart problems. We're dealing like never before with hearts that are so quickly uh, shifted from one direction to another. And I believe that it's not addressed as often as it needs to be. And we try to put band-aids on the problem. And we try to preach a fancy message or we try to sing a fancy song. But can I just say to you tonight that those things are just, they're just, they're band-aids on the problem. 
What we need to do is look the problem straight in the mirror and address it head on. Amen. I believe that the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. The world has a lot to say about the heart too. The world will tell us to follow our heart. Anybody ever heard that before? Follow your heart? Well, the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. The Bible also says that the heart, I'm talking about the heart now, the heart is deceit above all things and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says that the fool uttereth his whole heart. The Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And it also tells you and I, you want, you want to know how important the heart is? It tells us to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it come the matters of life. May I encourage you this evening that it might be a good idea for you and I to pay a little bit closer attention to our heart. Because if we're not careful with our heart, it will be stolen. And what a terrible thing it is for your heart to be stolen. I can speak from experience, and I'm sure we all can too. Tonight, by way of introduction, I'll give you a few thoughts, and then we'll get into the message. But I believe uh, that we need to address, first of all, before we get into the message, we need to address what causes people's hearts to be stolen. And I think what we read this evening is a pretty plain example. It's pretty clear on what caused these men's hearts to be stolen. First of all, I believe that we can examine this passage of Scripture and find that vulnerability causes hearts to be stolen. And when I say vulnerability, I'm, I'm talking about weaknesses. I'm talking about weak points. I'm talking about weak links in your life and in mine. And when we find ourselves in a moment of weakness, it's very easy for the devil to slide in and steal our hearts. See, the Bible says that when Absalom was standing by the gate and he saw anybody that had a cause or a suit to bring before, before the king... You know, that sounds like the devil to me, doesn't you? It sounds to me like he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just like Pastor Josh said just a moment ago, we've got a lot of reasons to be sober and to be vigilant. Why? Because our adversary is a roaring lion. The devil, see, he's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And Christian friends, so many times in Christians' lives, we allow the devil to get a... Or we allow the devil to, to completely take our feet out from under us. Why? When we're vulnerable, we don't pay attention like we should. And the simple truth is this. All of us have vulnerabilities. All of us have weaknesses. But I don't think that vulnerability is the only place that the devil can steal our hearts. But I believe that just as we see vulnerability causes hearts to be stolen, we see that volatility causes hearts to be stolen. You see, there's a difference between being vulnerable and being volatile. Being vulnerable means that you're weak. Being, vol being volatile means that you change with any kind of blowing of the wind. You change from one direction to the other. Are you with me now? And anybody ever met a volatile person? I've met some volatile people. They're cool one second, and then the next second they explode. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Or 
one day you talk to them, they believe God's on the throne and that he's coming back soon. And then the next time you talk to them, they're completely defeated and they're not too sure if God even exists. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Hey, if we're being honest, there are times that you and I are volatile. Or let me put it in layman's terms because we can all relate with this. We're unstable. The Bible tells us that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let's be honest tonight. We have a war that goes on constantly in the Christian life. Flesh and the Spirit. And very simply put tonight, every single Christian I've ever met has that war going on at all times. So I think that we can deduct from those reasons right there that we're all unstable. And due to that fact... Our heart can very easily be stolen because we're volatile. We're volatile. These men were volatile. It says not only was Absalom waiting at the gate so that he could find anybody that had a suit, but it says that when they met him, they met him with obeisance and that he met them with a kiss and and cunning words. You know, I believe that Absalom recognized how to pet someone's ego. You know the devil knows how to do that too. He'll pet your ego, he'll pet my ego, and he'll say, man, that message was great, so-and-so should have been here. Well, hold on a second. It wasn't for so-and-so. It was for me. It was for you. It was for everybody that was present and accounted for. We have a tendency a lot of times to think that we're better than what we are, but the reason so many hearts are stolen on a regular basis, it's because we are violating what the Bible says when it tells us to take heed when we think we stand lest we fall. Hey, Christian friend, when you think you've got it all together, that's the time to hit the altar. I promise you that's the time to hit the altar. We are volatile and volatility causes hearts to be stolen. Not only does vulnerability and volatility cause hearts to be stolen, but I believe that vanity causes hearts to be stolen. Now we're talking about Absalom tonight, right? How many of you are vaguely, at least vaguely familiar with the life of Absalom? You're vaguely familiar, okay. Do you know whose house he grew up in? Grew up in King David's house. We all know who King David is. King David is the sweet psalmist of Israel. I know I'm boring people to death. We'll get into the message here in just a second. King David is the the sweet psalmist of Israel. He is is the greatest king that Israel ever had. I'm talking about King David. He's written so many psalms in the Bible. He's the anointed king. He's God's man. And watch this. We all know him by this. He's the man after God's own heart. Interesting. You see, David knew a great deal about the heart. David talks about the heart. David knew his heart, and he knew that he wanted his heart to match God's heart. It didn't always, but he wanted it to. And you would think that somebody who grew up under the tutelage of David, somebody who grew up in the house of David, somebody who watched that man of God day in and day out serve the Lord and be faithful as he could be and lead the children of Israel through different battles and through different struggles, you would think that young man by the name of Absalom would understand that he needs to keep his heart with all diligence. But this is a young man who was 
The Bible describes him as, one, as, a, as a fair man, one of the fairest men in the, in the land at the time. That I take it to believe by studying the life of Absalom, I take it and I understand it this way, that Absalom was kind of obsessed with himself. You know, you'd have to be to want to overthrow King David. Somebody say amen right there. You'd have to be obsessed with yourself. And I'm going somewhere, so y'all stay with me. I know that not only are we seeing hearts stolen by vulnerability, and are we seeing hearts stolen by volatility, but we're seeing a lot of hearts stolen tonight by vanity. And we are... We are allowing, I don't know necessarily that we're teaching, but we are allowing our kids to learn it from somewhere that it's okay to be obsessed with yourself and that you should think of yourself highly and that you should invest in your self-esteem and all this self-worth junk that's training up our kids in this next generation to be so selfish that they miss God completely. I want you to know it's not always... It's not always comfortable when God does this, but it was a good day in my life when he showed me really who I am. And I'm not trying to be Eeyore up here whenever I preach, but I want you all to know something. I want you all to know something. It is by God's grace and mercy that I am preaching tonight. There's been plenty of times that the devil could have just ruined it all and done. he could have just, you know, thrown a wrench in the whole thing. He's tried a lot. Somebody say amen. It is by the grace of Almighty God that you and I are here tonight, clothed and in our right minds, sitting in the house of God on a Wednesday night. We need to come to the conclusion that, that God does not need us, but we sure do need Him. And a lot of people miss that. Why? Because of vanity. They're obsessed with themselves. If I'm being honest with you, there's been times that the ministry God's given me became more about me than it became about Him. Nobody else has to admit that. I'll just go ahead and admit that myself. There's been a lot of times I've preached for, for Zach. There's been a lot of times i sung for Zach. And you want to know something? All of that's going to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. And at times to think, I'm just talking about myself because I know y'all never been there. I'll just talk about me. At times I thought, you know, man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing it for me. I, you know, I'm doing the right thing. God's got to be pleased with that, man. I, I knocked that one out of the park and then somebody will tell me how bad I did at the back door. I, what I'm trying to say to you is this evening, if we're not careful, not only are we vulnerable at times, not only are we volatile at times, but vanity has stolen the hearts of so many singers, so many preachers, so many Christians, so many people who think that they're a big deal. Absalom thought he was a big deal. Thought he was a big enough deal to rule Israel and do a better job than his daddy did. I want to talk to you tonight. I want to tell you what you and I can do. Now, I know you're probably, I probably lost about half of you, but I hope to get you back here in just a second. I want to talk to you about what you and I can do because there is responsibility on our behalf to keep our hearts. What can we do? How are we going to stand in the evil day? How are we going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and keep our hearts from being stolen? I'm glad you asked. I'll give you a few thoughts and we'll go home. Number one, I believe, and, and we don't have time to read the, the, the rest of the Scripture, 
But in this passage of Scripture, I'll just give you a synopsis of what happens. In this passage of Scripture, there is a group of men that decide they are not going to follow Absalom, but they're going to stick with David, the man that God chose to be king. And this group of people that chose to stick with David, this group of people, they show you and I how we can keep our hearts. Number one, they kept their hearts. They kept their hearts from being stolen because they were leery of conspiracy. Number 13 and 14, the Bible says, And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. See, they were privy to it. They saw it coming. Verse number 14, And David said unto all his servants that were with him at, at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. They were leery of the conspiracy. They were aware of the fact that, that Absalom was doing something behind David's back to bring harm to the people of Israel. And Christian friend, I cannot stress it enough how important it is for you and I to be leery of the conspiracies that are going on in this world, to be privy to the idea that not everybody that wears a suit and tie is right with God, not everybody that stands behind a pulpit and preaches is doing it for the right reason, and not everything that sounds good needs to be followed or practiced. I'm just here to tell you tonight that this world is full of, of wickedness and ungodliness and it's infiltrating into the local New Testament church and it's high time that we stand up and be steadfast and unmovable and always abound in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as we know our labor's not in vain in the Lord. And when you and I decide that we are going to stand fast and stand firm... Things that we've learned and been assured of when we decide that we're going to continue in those things, we will be leery of the conspiracies of the devil. I, I'm going to slow down for a second. I have a hard time with this generation of Christians because it just seems like, man, i got to stay off social media. Somebody pray for me. But it just seems like anybody that includes Jesus in their post they get lifted up. And let me just say, some people that include Jesus in their Facebook posts or social media posts really ain't doing it for Jesus. And if you go based off of their lifestyle and they start doing things that don't line up with the Bible, but this one Facebook post had Jesus in it, then you're going to end up with a stolen heart. You and I need to be very, very leery of all these different things. Listen, if it's new, if it's, if it's something that's extra biblical, you and I don't have any business believing it. If it's something that God has not ordained, you and I have no business believing it. It's just, it's just a whole lot better for you and I to be really studied up in our Bible and know what God said about it. I don't care what so-and-so said about it with a thousand followers on Facebook or a million followers or whatever the case may be. They're not God. How many of our church members, how many of our Christians, I know this is a great place, but a lot of the churches that I preach at, they've got no clue. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. But there's a lot of Christians that just have no clue. If somebody seems godly, they'll follow them. If 
somebody seems like they've got something good to say, they'll follow him. Hey, David's men, David's people that followed him, they, they knew who the king was. They knew who God had appointed to be king. And they knew that God had not sent any fresh word or fresh anointing to anybody else. I would encourage you tonight, if God has not given any new revelations, which he hasn't, somebody say amen. If God has not changed over the course of time, and he hasn't, somebody say amen. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you better just stick with what he says and forget about what man says. Leery of the conspiracy. But not only were they leery of conspiracy, I believe that they kept their hearts because they were loyal to the cause. I'm moving quickly. They were loyal to the cause. They said, they said, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever thy, the, my lord the king shall appoint. You know, these men that are with David, if you're familiar with David's group of people, there is a group of them specifically referred to as David's mighty men. And I believe that a lot of them are numbered in this passage of Scripture. I cannot help but as we, while as we read this passage and study this passage, but think back a chapter in 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, where a young little Hebrew boy, a little shepherd boy that everybody had already, you know, written off and counted out, just a little kid that came into the camp to check on his brethren, just a shepherd, I cannot help but think about that little guy coming into the camp of the Israelites as they stood against a Philistine about nine foot tall by the name of Goliath. And that Philistine standing on one side of the valley of, the, uh, valley of Elah and the children of Israel standing on the other side of the valley of Elah and that Philistine's cursing God and he's threatening the men of Israel and he's threatening the people of God. And this little shepherd boy, while everybody else is shaking in their boots, this little shepherd boy came in and he made this statement. He said, is there not a cause? And he began to repeat it, and he began to rehearse it, as the Bible says. And before long, Brother Josh, everybody in the camp was repeating what David said. And he said, they said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And before long, big Goliath went down with a stone in his forehead. And God got the victory. The same sentiment I see being echoed from 1 Samuel 17 you can see it here in 2 Samuel 15. They said, David, we were with you when you slew Goliath. David, we were with you through all them battles. David, we were with you through all those trials. And David, we know that you're not perfect, but we know that you're God's man. And we're not only going to be leery of the conspiracy, we are going to be loyal to the cause, and we're not changing now. Christian friend, may I remind you that even though the journey may get difficult, and even though at times your heart may become cold and indifferent, and it happens, may I remind you that when God saved you, that cause that he saved you for back then is still very, very relevant tonight. If not more relevant tonight. Your family is depending on you to be loyal to the cause. They're depending on me to be loyal to the cause. Hey, the devil will try to say there's no use in serving God. The devil will try to steal your heart. He'll try to attack your weaknesses. He'll try to sneak his way in there somehow. But if you and I are going to keep moving forward for the cause of Christ, we need to not only be leery and aware of the fact that the devil is coming our way, but we need to be loyal to the God of heaven. 
who loved us and died for us and saved our soul in the first place. Lastly, and I'm done preaching. We round out this story with a man by the name of Ittai. And Ittai was a convert. And the Bible tells us that Ittai was a Gittite. And this man was what you would consider, he wasn't an Israelite, he was a convert. The Israelites go from city to city. If God gave them direction, <clears throat> they would go from city to city and they would take over that city and anybody that wanted to convert to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, they could join up. But everybody else got annihilated. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And so Ittai was a gate. David's converts. David makes a statement to Ittai and he says, it would not be a problem, Ittai. I'm just, I'm just paraphrasing, but he says, it would not be a problem for you to stay here and just join up with Absalom because you're a convert anyways. You're not an Israelite. It wouldn't cause any problem for you to just stay here. But Ittai says something. I believe that's very interesting. Verse 19, he says, Then said the king to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? He said, Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest, but yesterday should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may return, uh, whither I may return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. In verse 21, Ittai says something wonderful. He says, and Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. Ittai, by the flesh, he was a Gittite. Are you with me? By the flesh, he didn't belong with the Israelites. By the flesh... He wasn't even a part of them. He was just an extra. But by the Spirit, he had been changed and accepted in. If you and I will keep our hearts, and I really desperately believe that we need to do a better job at keeping our hearts. If you and I are going to keep our hearts, we can come to the conclusion this evening that in our flesh, and oftentimes the devil reminds us of this, in our flesh, we don't belong here. In our flesh, what we're doing don't even make sense. I mean, why would God allow somebody so wretched and sinful like you and I? Why would he allow us into the perfect land of glory? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And if we're going to be led by our flesh, then we'll let the devil steal our heart. But I noticed that Ittai kept his heart because he was leery of the conspiracy and he was loyal to the cause. But Ittai was led by his character. And what I'm trying to say to you this, this evening is this. You and I, when we got saved, we got a new character. The flesh is our old character. The flesh doesn't belong. The flesh cannot keep the laws of God. And the flesh cannot keep our hearts. But may I remind you that if you and I walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we are walking in the Spirit, then we will fulfill the will of God and will keep our hearts. You and I need to settle it tonight that when the flesh rises up and tells us to throw in the towel and quit on God, we need to determine in our hearts tonight that we will not be led by our flesh, but we're going to be led by that new character, that new man that God has established in our lives.
And I look across the world tonight, you know, everywhere I go for work, every time I go preach somewhere, every time I go to my home church, I'm made aware of the fact that there's a lot of people that are leaving their heart wide open. And the devil is just having a heyday, playing games with the people of God. I don't know if your heart has been played with today. I'm sure it have. I don't know what you're doing to protect your heart. But I just want to remind you this evening that the devil wants to take your heart. He wants to take my heart. He wants to steal your family. He wants to destroy my family. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to discourage God's people, and he will do it through the heart.